I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. And welcome to Through the Port Key on the Merc with the Movie Blog podcast feed. We are reviewing every Harry Potter movie, and we're so close to the finish. We're almost there. Seven part one. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm joined, as always, by Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Hello. How are you? I am hot. It's the first, like, really hot day oh, you're here. Hot. You're always and... hot. Mm, all right, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> hi. I, I. How are you? I am also very hot. It is hot here today. Yeah, and like our so the first day of cold time every year. Uh, <laughs> cold time. <laughs> also known as like, winter. Cold time. <laughs> I, I meant the first. I, yeah, the first cold time. <laughs> before I before I get into this tangent, we also have Chris from Hotel Nerd. Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for coming. And I know it was a bit of a uh, a uh, what's the word experience setting this all up the day before. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a bit of a time crunch because actually yeah. part of the fault lies on me. I double book between you guys and with my podcast that I'm having with uh, Nerd Chronic uh, later on tonight. So I'm glad that we were able to make this work out. Yeah, well, it's okay, because not only did you double book, but we also booked you for the wrong time period, because I was not consulted first. Uh, so we told you nine, but we record from six to seven, like we are right now. Uh, and we don't record at nine. But everything worked out. Everything worked out great, and we're happy that you're here. So as I was saying, the first day of the hot times is what I meant to say. So, you know, spring, summer, summer. Uh, when we turn the AC on, it breaks every year. Uh, oh. It freezes, mm. and so uh, we need to have somebody come out and fix it. And yeah, so it's hot here because there's no AC. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Harry Potter. Uh, but before we get into this movie, uh, Chris, Hotel Nerd, I don't know which which one would you prefer me to call you during uh during this? One works. I mean, I'll respond uh, to both. Okay, I'm gonna use both then. Uh, Chris, I, I want to know about your Harry Potter experience, right? Like, what what is your your Harry... I, I was going to try and rephrase it in a cooler way, but it's really just, what's your Harry Potter experience? I've, I've got nothing better. Well, when I was a teenager, I never knew that it even existed because I was oblivious to it. I was pretty much oblivious to the entire outside world, to be honest, okay. uh, outside of a computer. Um, and then my mom went and bought me the first two books uh for christmas the one year mm -hmm. and the first book i had read within 24 hours i i oh, started wow. it and i just couldn't put it down yeah and uh then i started it on the second book and i had that done before the end of the year so because i took my time on the second yeah. one being that they were starting to go more in depth and they kind of playing with a little bit with two timelines between the the diary and the present times mm -hmm. the opening of the chamber so I actually went and I reread chapters in that book to make sure I was understanding what was going on and how it was going on but then from there as the books were releasing I just kept getting them for Christmas and then by the time I was able to start buying them I was going to every release date I think the first 
release date that I went to was Goblet. And I, I've hit every one after that. Oh, wow. Um, to buy this book, I think it was this one. Uh, I stood in line seven. for six hours for number seven. Jesus. Oh my, my Barnes & Noble did a thing where you had to come in throughout the day that day and get a ticket. Yeah. And um, hmm. then that night at midnight, they released them. And if you had pre-ordered, you got your book first. And then everyone with tickets, they basically just started with the first number of the tickets and went until they ran out. Um, wow. yeah. That's how they did it up here, too. Yeah. Um, and I drove myself illegally to Barnes & Noble <laughs> to get it. And I'm, I'm sure the statute of limitations is up on that. Oh, oh yeah, it, it definitely is. I had a, at the time, Mississippi had um, something called an intermediate license, mm -hmm. and that's what I had. So I, I wasn't legally allowed to drive at night, but I could drive during the day, but it was midnight. Oh, but okay. I was like, yeah. I don't give a shit. I'm going to get this book. If I get a ticket, whatever. I don't care. My mom told me I could go. And so I went and I got my book and I got to, you know, I was just uh so excited and i stayed awake till like 6 a.m reading my mom woke up for the day came <laughs> in my room and was like you haven't slept yet i'm like no and i just slept off and on like <laughs> in spurts for two days and just slept long enough to get up enough energy to read some more and i did that for 48 hours and then i was done funny story about this book uh i can either tell it now or i can wait until like towards the end of the show but I'll just give you the the clip note of this book almost ended my marriage before it got started. Oh, no. all right, no, no, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. Yeah, yeah I need I, to know. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter destroyed my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, I was so obsessed with this book, and I'm I was doing nothing but talking about this book, and I reread all the way up to the current events at the end of Half-Blood Prince. And my wife felt slighted by that. And uh, she made it known. Uh, so when the seventh book came out, she said that I wasn't allowed to read it in the house. So at this point, I was working <laughs> at a gas station third shift. So there's nothing to do at a gas station third shift. So I took the book and I was reading it. And she still was perturbed that I was reading the book, yet I ended up talking about it when I was at the house. <laughs> and because uh, when I nerd out on something, I nerd out like completely. Mm -hmm. And she went and said, if you reread this book within the next year, I swear to God, I'm going to leave you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my gosh. That's harsh. Because I was driving her, I was driving her insane because she wasn't, she wasn't one for fandom. Like she, oh. she didn't like TV. Her, her love was uh, music. Mm. And uh, before she ended up passing away, I started getting her into enjoying Star Wars, which mm. that was a chore and a half. <laughs> and my next, my next uh, tackle was going to be Harry Potter. So. I never got the chance to do that. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I, ironically, today she passed away Star Wars Day. So, oh wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. 
Um, yeah, it's it's difficult when you don't share an interest with someone, and then you want to talk about it, and they could not care less. It yeah. can cause and like they want to, you know, watch those movies or watch those TV shows or read that book or whatever, and you don't want to do that. Um, I remember getting rather annoyed with Darren when uh, The Force Awakens was coming out because I really couldn't care less about Star Wars. It was fine. I'd seen them, you know, but he would not stop talking about it. But um, but I love I love The Force Awakens and it's I love The Force Awakens and I've loved some stuff since then, but I was just like, can we stop talking about it? It hadn't even come out yet. So I that's totally pretty much that. where I that's pretty much where I had her with the Harry Potter in uh, Star Wars as well when Force Awakens was rolling around. Now my mom did uh, force me out of my room occasionally in the summers when I would do nothing but read. She would say, "You have to come watch an hour of TV with me and your dad before you're allowed to go back." <laughs> to your room. Wow. Yeah, which seems oddly backwards in in many respects. <laughs> So stop reading. Yes, you'd be like, I'm gonna take away your real world. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was definitely the kind of kid I was, where the punishment was take away the books. Where like when I think about my my little sister, that would be the punishment is go in your room and read, which is so sad. I wish she would read more, but uh, that's the punishment for her is just go in your room, no electronics or anything, read. And for me, it was always give me the Harry Potter book. You you know you know you're not you can't you can't read that until uh until whatever yeah absolutely um since we're sharing uh Sarah I want to hear what your first experience with this book was with this book yeah when the book came out for so seven. I don't know if I brought this up on the show I feel like I did I wasn't ar- allowed to read or watch oh you these. have you have yeah okay. yeah oh. As- because of the witch witchcraft <laughs> um so Sarah, i actually how um oh my god i think i was whenever the last movie when this movie came out it was the first one i actually saw in the theaters holy cow so no. was that 2011 yeah uh, well this were... movie this movie was 2010 and then part well, two was 2011 was. Yeah. second part was 2011 yeah, so I was four. I I read it that summer before it came out. I read all of them, so I was like fourteen when I first read Harry Potter. Oh, and um, you got to just like binge the books. Yeah, so I'm the lucky one that I got to just read it back to back to back. Um, and then I watched all the movies. I actually watched some of the movies out of order, and then my best friend was like, "What is wrong with you? You have to read the books and watch them in order." So I'd sneak over her house and I would watch them with her. Um, because her mom was like, watch these movies. I was like, okay. And then my parents were like, yeah, whatever. It's not, it's not evil. Like everyone's saying it is. It's fine. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah. And you hit a point where it's like, your parents cannot shield you from things forever. Like all that's going to do is make you want to do it more. So might as well let you. And then I also just geeked out to my parents, like, this, it's so much more than what you think it is, and it has all these themes and all this stuff, and they're like, okay, cool. Oh my goodness, that's funny. (laughs) Um, That sounds like when I geeked out about Titanic to my mom when I was like eight years old, and she's like, I'm so glad you watched this movie like five times, and I've yet to approve for you to watch it. (laughs) I'm like, sorry. 
I was at a friend's house and they had it on. There was one movie I couldn't get into. I just, it's Titanic is too Titanic of a movie, I guess, pun intended. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's amazing. Uh, it's the movie see, I, that I, made me love movies. I feel like that's Leo's worst movie, to be honest. Mm, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm more right. into. Okay, so we're getting. I'm off recovering. Topic. Yeah, I'm recovering. Uh, that is that is the uh, that is the line where I'm going to recover the uh, <laughs> because trust me, I wanted to jump in too, and that is when I decided. You know what? Maybe it's time to recover. Uh, I will say really quickly because obviously, as the joke is, I'm very young. I'm 20. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, baby. All right, you know what, Sarah? You're only like three I'm years only older. Only four years so, older. <laughs> four, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but when this book came out, I was, I would have been, probably about to turn eight. I was almost finished with book four, reading it, and we were going. We were flying from, uh, uh, uh from Florida to Maryland, where I live, and passing the book, like one of the bookstores in the airport, they had seven. So it had just come out and they just, they had it in the airport and I grabbed it. And then I immediately skipped five and six and the rest of four. And funnily enough, because of where this movie ends, I made it to the cottage scene in seven. So like halfway through the book before I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go finish four, five and six. Oh my gosh. So I read all the way through to the cottage, like right after Malfoy Manor when they're at the cottage. And I think it's when like I started getting introduced to like Bill and Fleur. I mean, I remembered Fleur from what i'd read of four but i was like wait a second why is fleur with bill what's going on here and i was like you know what i should i should uh go back and and you finish were the actual eight books. years old reading this these were like yeah, that's the first crazy. books i ever yeah i was oh reading i was reading at like a college level in in elementary school like well, I, I was uh, capable of it i just refused to do it but well i started mom, reading these in fourth grade my mom loved these books and that is where I, I I got into them from but yeah I was very young reading these books and uh I've sadly fell off from reading since but oh uh, these books are glorious they're amazing they are. they are uh anyways we have a movie to talk about because today we're covering Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part 1 directed by David Yates written by Steve Cloves released November 19th 2010 and scored by Alexander Desplat this is the first of two movies that he'll score. He'll score the next one as well. So we always start these shows off with the general discussion of whether we like the movie or not, pretty much. Uh, but before we get into that, as I'm looking at my notes, we do have some new casting to go over really quickly that I just want to hit on. Uh, so appearing for the first time in this movie, we have Andy Linden as Mundungus Fletcher, mm. which I think he's good as Mundungus. I think Mundungus is like, uh, he's a tiny character in the movie and he's not much bigger in the books, but at least he's like around earlier in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we get a couple mentions of him, so he just didn't exist yeah. in the movies. He just got axed. I thought he was in order. Yeah, he was, he was in order. I, yeah, I recall. Yeah. No, not the movie, the book. Sorry. Like he's in he he's mentioned in six, I think, in the sixth book, but he he's physically like he appears in Order of the Phoenix as a like I think he's at Grimwald Place when they get there. He might. I didn't reread that. Film. I don't think he's in the film though. I think he is. I think he's in where they uh, clone Harry. 
Oh, I well, yeah. That scene. Oh, the seventh one. In we were talking film, about yeah. earlier movies. Yeah. Oh, my I bad. was saying, yeah, I was saying that he wasn't in uh, movie five, but he's in book five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, this is the when he's first introduced is in uh, seven part one. Uh, although he has earlier appearances in the books, but they just ignored him. Like they ignored a lot of characters. Um, uh, I think I copied that guy's name down wrong. Yeah, I did. Uh, Riz, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but Riz, Riz Ifans. Yes. Yeah. Ifans. As I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Xenophilius yes, yep. Lovegood. I think he's pretty good as Luna's dad. Very good. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's got uh, a small role in the book as well, so there's not a whole lot for. Is that when do, he but... does he first show up in the book in this one? He right. I... Well, because yeah, Luna doesn't show of him. Up. Well, Luna doesn't show up until book five. Yeah, and she just so, talks yeah, about her dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But... Yeah, we don't, we don't, yeah. I don't think we saw him until the remember. wedding. Yeah, no. I don't remember him until the wedding scene. Okay, that's what I thought. The, there wouldn't have been any point for a second. I thought maybe he would have been there during book four when all like the like the family showed up at for the uh, for the end of the tri was a tournament, but Luna had not yet been introduced, so he can't have. Yeah. Uh, besides uh Warwick Davis took over as grip hook for Vern Troyer. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I guess he still did the, the the dubbing, but Warwick Davis actually played Grip Hook in this movie, even though he's hmm. barely in it. Yeah, that question in movie trivia Schmodown one day had the Harry Potter question a couple weeks ago through me because it was a trick question. Yeah. They asked in uh the first movie who physically played Grip Hook. Yeah. And I immediately went to Warwick Davis in my head. Uh-huh. And then because I never realized it was Vern. Yeah. Because I went with the voice. Mm. <laughs> just well, throwing that one out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just always assumed all of the, you know, characters of smaller stature, they just used Warwick Davis. They were just like, you're gonna play them all. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> was was I Warwick to say, I kinda thought that too. <laughs> yeah, you mean Because he played Professor in Hollywood. Because he played yeah. Professor Flitwick. Flitwick. Yes. Yeah. Did, was he the original Flitwick in the first one, or was that someone else? I want to say he was. He was. I think it was always him. Yeah, it was because he, he was always just, different. They changed the design. They did a complete overhaul in the third movie. Yeah, yeah, they changed the the character, yeah. the look of the character for some reason. All right, we're not well, going to get I started think it was with because Taylor. it was supposed to be the he was like the choir director, and they're like, oh, let's just make him Flitwick because people think that's him. That's what uh, I read that somewhere. Uh, huh. I don't want to start Caitlin on prisoner. Uh, Bill anyway. Nye as Rufus Scrimgeour. You don't want to start me on prisoner either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill Nye plays Rufus Scrimgeour, who mm-hmm. is in the sixth book, but doesn't show up in the sixth movie. I like him. He's only in a little bit of this, but I think he's fine as Rufus Scrimgeour. Great actor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, great actor. Find that movie. speech that speech he gives at the beginning yes yeah in the ministry oh my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. then he's dead all them dumbledore's will that was a great scene yes i agree um nick moran as scabior i don't actually i think scabior is correct uh the, the snatcher snatcher who the snatcher the guy who's who yeah. takes uh the guy who captures. Snatches. Yeah, the guy who yeah. snatches. 
in the second movie, takes he takes them to Malfoy's Manor, I believe. The yeah. one that has like the scarves and the eyeliner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks like a rock star. Yeah. Who? It's different in the book, right? I don't. Re- I've I just don't read remember. the book, and they just. I'm, I'm pretty have... sure it's not as like rock star, but I yeah, like probably. it. I like oh, that no, I, yeah. that character. I just read it, and nothing about his description stuck out. So I don't think he was given like a, a super, uh, you know, distinct description. Character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, let's make him look like he should have been on cocaine. And yeah, yeah, he know. literally looks like a British rock star with the yeah. like scarves and the eyeliner and the mannerisms, like David yes. Bowie light. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll have more to say about him in the next movie because I think that's where he shines is in part two. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Peter Mullen as Yaxley. Uh, I really like him as Yaxley. Oh, so it, I realized who he was watching this um, the last time I watched this movie. He's also in Ozark. As, Wait, as who? Wait, um, what season? Um, I guess two... Okay, I haven't watched season two yet. Okay, um, well, when I get... No, it would have been season... Mm. Oh, Jacob Snell? Shit, when does he... I guess they do show up in season one. I can't remember anymore. Is this... Um, oh, I, yeah, I know who this is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's they in season the one. Poppies? Yeah, he's um, an idiot. That's him! Yeah, oh, that's him? Holy crap, he does not look at all like Yaxley. He is also in Westworld. He is in world that's the other thing i kept seeing him pop up all at once like all the stuff i was watching over the course of a week he was in Dude, bullshit that is not yaxley that is I, him. I mean i know i'm looking at his his filmography i know it's him mm-hmm. but bullshit it's not him that's not that is not yaxley oh my god he looks so much older in ozark well he is older but also i think that blonde like light blonde yeah wig yeah. made him kind of look a little younger in harry potter Fair um, but yeah, I was shocked at all the stuff. I was like, this dude's in everything and I don't yeah. even know who he is. You gotta watch Westworld. Braveheart. Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what because I just watched that mo- part of that movie and I was like, he was in another movie that I just watched but I couldn't remember. Thank you. I had to look it up on IMDb, but as you were, as you guys were talking, it triggered, so I had to look it up. Um, <laughs> thank you. So he just flies under the radar and does everything. I like him as Yaxley, though. I think he's like, uh, he does a good job at being intimidating. Because a lot of the Death Eaters aren't super intimidating. They're kind of, a lot of them are a little goofy, except for like Bellatrix. Yeah. Yeah. Lucius Malfoy is just like. Well, he's not even, he's not even, he's not even goofy. He's just a a dork. Uh, But like when, when. When we're in that first scene in uh, Malfoy Manor, uh-huh. and all they're like, <laughs> the, they think we have control of the ministry. Well, we do. Ha 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 ha. Like, <laughs> they're also not threatening in that scene. They all seem like they're kind of goofy. But uh, I think Yaxley, Peter Mullen, as Yaxley, does a really good job of being like an intimidating opponent. Absolutely. All right. Let's actually talk about the movie now, 20 minutes in. Uh, I want to start with you, Hotel yeah. Nerd. Joe is going to use both names interchangeably, and I'm sticking to that. Uh, I want to know, what are your thoughts on this movie? Do you like it? Do you not like it? 
feel it was pretty true to what the beginning half of the book was. I mean, mm. it's them running for their lives, trying to keep one step ahead of Voldemort and the Death Eaters. Like, they're yeah. looking, they're inadvertently looking for the Hollows without realizing that they're looking for the Hollows, while at the same time trying to take care of business and get rid of all Voldemort's uh, horror cruxes. So, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench at you, Sean. I'm going to change my scene when we get to that ah, point. Damn it. So I'm going to concede my scene to you. All right. And I just thought of another one that I believe tops that scene. All right. All right. I'm still I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm taking your scene and I'm keeping mine because now I want to talk about mine. Uh, I'm breaking the rules. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kaylin, um, you like the movie? I, I love this movie. Um, I still I tend to watch six more um, uh-huh. than this one, but I really do like this movie. Um, and it's it's considering the the tracks they had laid leading up to it and the things that they had already sort of spliced out that they couldn't obviously like go back to. It still stayed pretty true to the story. Um, the I guess my main complaint is just that there's a few times where I feel like they unnecessarily kind of change how they find something out. But mm-hmm. all I can think of is they didn't want to build extra sets and make extra scenes that they didn't have to do. That sort of a thing. Like yeah. if they could condense it, if they could do this in this space instead of that space. You know, it probably made things a little uh, tighter on the budget. Not that this movie needed a tight budget, but um, overall, I really, really like this movie. Um, and I revisit it quite a bit. Uh, Sarah? Um, honestly, this one, this movie is kind of forgettable for me. I think it's the one I've seen the least. I figured out why that is. is because me and my husband went to put it on today and we realized we lost that DVD. Uh, so that's <laughs> upsetting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the one that I think I've watched the least amount of times. And I honestly forgot what was in this one compared to what's in part two until I watched a recap of it. And I was like, oh, that's in this movie? I for- completely forgot. Um, but there, there's a lot of stuff packed in this movie I, for some reason, when I think about it, I just think like, oh, it's them just being in the woods for all of oh, it. But no, I they, forgot they go lot. to the ministry, yeah. they go to the Malfoy Manor. They like, there's so much that happens. I just completely forgot. They go to Gradjakalo. Sarah, the funny thing is that that's legit. When I think of this movie, I think of them walking through the woods. That's and, all I think. <laughs> and I cannot remember how deep into the book I was before they ever even got into the woods and i remember thinking oh my god i totally forgot like reading this book they don't spend the majority of the book in the woods like but that's yeah i remember reading it and just being like oh they're still in the woods (laughs) like but yeah yeah, i don't don't know it's one of those weird like false perception things Hmm. one thing that they they kind of sort of hit on when they're in the tent uh if I remember correctly, is the radio transmission that they end yeah. up hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't really hear it clearly. It's 
right about the time where Ron loses his marbles and goes off yeah. on everybody. Uh, I think that you should have, they should have had that in there more to like mm. really bring it home. Like, you know, shit's real. Like people are dying while Voldemort and the Death Eaters are looking for Harry. Anybody that's associated with Harry or Dumbledore's army or the Order of the Phoenix, yeah. everybody, people are falling like dominoes. And it because it gets to them in the book, but you don't ever really see or get the sense of that's happening in the movie. Yeah, in the movie, the only person that really seems to be affected by that is Ron. Yeah. Yes, because he's the one with a family. Yeah. In the Which, middle of all that. God, I I love I love and I hate that line. I love the like, because I I it it shows like I think Ron's lack of uh emotional thought or 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 insight emotional into hair. Yeah, because because he's like your parents are dead. You don't have anybody that you're worrying about, and I think he doesn't. I don't I don't know if it just doesn't click for him that how 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 important Ron's family is to Harry and how Harry considers them to be just like his family. Yeah, I think well, it's all crux. Well, yes, Ron's it's also Ron's never quite had the best tech in no. the series. No. No. <laughs> and he obviously doesn't fully understand Harry cuz he's convinced no. that Harry and Hermione are like a thing when Harry is like the worst at consoling yeah. Hermione when Ron leaves in, in the well anyway we'll talk about that when we yeah. talk about changes because that's a big change that always bothered me I will say my favorite scene in the movie not the one that I want to dive into but my favorite scene in the movie is Harry and Hermione dancing oh fuck you. and I didn't realize I it was really my favorite like that scene I'm with you I, I didn't realize I loved it so much until I watched it again today and that was the scene that it's just uh, they they just needed a minute. Everything is so, and I love that immediately once they're done dancing, it's right back to to how things were. But they just needed a minute. Everything is too much, and they're just overwhelmed by it all. And and I love the scene where the two of them dance, and then it's right back to how things were. But I just I love that I love that it takes that minute, and it makes them feel so much more human to mm -hmm. me. I hate I that. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, or will we talk about it? Do you want to just bring up why you hate it now? No, we'll talk about it because okay. we're going to talk about it in the changes. All right. Uh, I'll just really quickly say that I really, I really like this movie. It's not my favorite, as we'll go over later, but uh, I like it a lot more than the second part. And uh, I really like that they're kind of just on their own for most of this movie, and it feels like a lot more character. Um, mm. even though there is like a lot of action in the movie as well with the ministry and Malfoy Manor and uh, that chase sequence in the forest and London and all that it still feels like just seeing them outside of Hogwarts because this was the first time that we saw it's really the only time because a lot of the second part takes place at, at Hogwarts but this is like one of the, the only movies where we see them like outside of Hogwarts for the entire thing and and I just I, I always find that fascinating about this movie. Not enough to make it my favorite, but enough to put it above part one or part yeah, two. Th this is the only movie that we don't go to Hogwarts because we go back there in in part two. We 
go to the lake at the very no, end because we see Voldemort take count. the. Uh, We're not in Hogwarts, and that's no. not even Harry. That's no, Voldemort. no. That this is the only book where Harry does not go to, or the only movie where Harry does not go to Hogwarts at all. Uh, or Ron and Hermione, uh, like you said. Anyways, we're going to go to a break really quick. It's just going to be, you know, in and out. Uh, they will be, there will be ads. I don't know why I'm fussing over this right now. This is really not great. We will go to break. We're going to go to break. after. Yes, there's going to be ads. We're going to talk after. <laughs> and yeah, we'll be back in a minute. Hey there, Schmodown fans. This is Josh the Merc Rainer, and I am here to tell you about my show, Talking Schmodown. Whether it's Andrew Guy getting hit with a chair, John Roca screaming, oh, oh, or the emotional retirement of the Shirewolves, I talk about it all. So you can catch me right here on Anchor and all the other major podcasting platforms. So, as I ask every episode, are you ready to talk Schmodown? I am. Hi everyone, this is Sarah, host of Go Get That Rose podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Bachelor Nation. Join Jay Wade, a man in his 40s who is recently new to all things Bachelor Nation, and myself, someone who has been watching passionately for the past three years, as we review, share our thoughts on each episode of whatever show is currently on TV, whether that is Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. We might not even know everyone's name, but we have fun nonetheless. You can find us on Merkwood and Movie Blog Feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Jay Wade here to tell you about SEN After Live, our SEN Live After Show, where we talk about, well, whatever Christian, Brett, and the rest of the crew talk about, and the insanity that ensues. So join us each week here on Merc with the Movie Blog feed on your podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube now on the SEN After Live channel. Talk to you then. everybody, I'm Sean. You guys might know me on this feed from co-hosting Beyond the Screen, but now here at Merc with the Movie Blog, we have started a brand new show exclusively for video games called Game Over Screen. So join me every week with my co-hosts. Hey, how's it going? My name's Brendan. And I'm Tyler. As we talk about everything video game related and when we, I guess, get to the Game Over Screen. I don't know. I don't have a good pun for that, but the joke is that we're going to die a lot in the game. <laughs> well, you might. All right, we're back. Those shows are all great. Listen to them. Uh, the people that make them are great, and that's what matters. Uh, so for the first scene, we're going to pick up mine because I got gypped out of all the other scenes. And it is not necessarily the Seven Potters scene, but it's directly after when everybody's arriving at the Weasley's home. Uh, I really love that scene. I really love when we find out that uh fuck which one gets their ear blown off george george George. yeah when when we when we see george arrive and when arthur arrives and he's like where's george and everybody's quiet and he just is like because i love fred runs inside immediately but george uh, but um arthur like stops and prepares himself which is something i noticed in this movie is that i i think he was i wish somebody had just been like it's okay he just lost an ear 
because uh, it really looked like Arthur was preparing himself for the worst before he went inside. But like the the whole the scene with Lupin throwing uh the Lupin scene is yeah. that's the stealer. Yeah. Just throwing Harry against the wall. Yes. Yes. Yep, Even throwing Harry against the wall and saying, What was on my desk the first day of class? Even though the the, the Grindelow does not appear in <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, it is okay. still it's still one of my and I love the the standoff between Shacklebolt and uh, Lupin. Lupin. Yeah. Uh, what's the last words that Dumbledore said to us? You know. Mm-hmm. I, I think in in the books isn't that a callback because don't we see that scene in six or are we just told about it? I I, I don't. I'm not sure, but that is. That are those are the questions, the same questions that are asked in the book. Like yeah, that, yeah. That, that, part that quote was in out. five. It might have been in five. It was in order. But I feel like I feel like the quote does show up in in one of the in one of the books beforehand, and it's a callback in the book. But in the movie, it, it's obviously a, it come like a it comes out of nowhere. But still, it still really works. I think. Uh, and again, we start to kind of see because they 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 realize, oh shit, we got to put Harry and Ginny together at the end of this. So they 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 kind of do some work on that uh, in that scene as well. And uh, Hermione and Ron they start to do work on the two of them as well at the beginning. It feels like that scene is like there there are relationships that need to be defined by the end of this, and we need to start working on that because we really have only been somewhat working on that uh, in the past. They worked on it quite a bit in six. Um, yes, yes. In the, well, they worked on quite a bit in six on keeping them apart, I should say. Yes. But, yes. Uh, you know, that groundwork got laid there, but they had obstacles. And but then, the problem is that six resets itself at the end. It lays down groundwork. And then at the end, because there's like, there's a scene in the, in the hospital wing with uh, Ron and Hermione, but then Ron immediately forgets about it. And Hermione... Correct. They're like friends still, but the ground that's gained there is immediately reverted, and they're like, they're put back to where they were when book six started. Yeah. And the same thing kind of happens with Ginny and Harry, where Ginny and Harry form a relationship in six, and it's not in the movie, but in the book, Harry is like, we can't be together because all the stuff I've got to do. And they end up being back where they were at the beginning of six. Six does that weirdly, where it's like, here's character progression. Now we're back to where we were at the beginning. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Or if you agree, even. No, you're thinking deeper than I ever thought about those books, to be honest. Amen. I've never thought about it until just now. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, they kind of just revert all the character develop Because, like, yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, that's All the characters thing. that had great character development in the last two books, they basically don't even show up in this movie and that's uh that's his aunt his uncle and his cousin Uh, they don't they don't show up for the most part and his cousin and him have a great scene where Mm -hmm. uh because harry's protecting him and he realizes that harry's protecting him and he goes i never thought you were a waste of space or something like that and that scene should have been in this movie that's the one scene out of this they shot it too yeah, they shot it, but they never put it. They in. shot it. They shot, they shot it. It's on. It. It's you can watch that scene yeah. on the DVD. Yep. Uh yeah, because that's something we'll definitely talk about with changes. Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No. Um. I I like it. I have some issues with logistically. I have issues with 
stuff that they changed, but um, in terms of how the scene plays, it plays very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they they do condense a lot of the time, though. Like, they all sort of show up one after another, which does take away a little bit of the suspense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that could happen when you're just waiting for someone, but that's, of course, because you cannot use all of your screen time for this yeah like they had bigger fish to fry (laughs) so i get that but yes it it was it it was and you get your well you get your first real death of course with hedwig but you get your first human death with mad eye well okay so i'm i'm convinced that the reason that uh, Hedwig got killed off in the book is just because there was no logistical way for Harry to take her with him. Yes. So, so J.K. Rowling's just like, well, we can't well, leave. Gotta we can't leave her anywhere because if she stays around, you know, she'll follow Harry around. Yeah. And that will be a dead giveaway of where Harry is because she's such a unique owl. So, but it really does set the tone. Like, oh, this is real. Like. There are stakes. Anybody else find it funny that Voldemort was stopped by power lines? <laughs> I don't think he was stopped. I think he was angry and he yeah, no longer he had pissed. a wand. But yeah. Um, it, it's still funny that it happens with the power lines and you get that big ex- electrical explosion. Um, I'm going to bring us back to Hedrick's death really quick because I really like Hedrick's death. Uh, the way she explains it with it weird, being... Ex- well... Uh, Sentence, yes. Because it happens on his seventeenth birthday, and the way she describes it is, it's the death of it's it's like the la it's the death of his innocence. It's the death of his childhood because they move him on his seventeenth birthday, and that is no, when. They don't. Yeah, they do, don't they? Is no, don't they? No, like, the week before. Like, yeah, it's oh, like four shit, five days. I thought they move him on the seventeenth birthday. Mm-mm, no, they're they, going to, and then it and was then weeks. yeah, and then it was yeah, then they yeah, because there's the whole thing with Snape. I, I I still think that it stands with it being so close to the seventeenth birthday, and that is leaving the uh leaving the place that he was raised for the last time and leaving his childhood behind in that scene, knowing that yeah. he's not going to go back to Hogwarts this year. I think that the Snow White owl, which is the symbolism of innocence, you know, like that's kind of if you were to get into like color meaning and stuff and all that, but but Hedwig being snow white and then being the the part of harry's life that is is killed in in that scene i think is very i think it works for me personally i can get why it wouldn't but i i like it it does work and it's um it it works in the sense of uh even though it's not his birthday he's giving up his home by abandoning privet drive he's giving up his home so he's saying, I don't have a home anymore. Like, yeah. I'm not a child anymore. I don't have a place yeah. to go back to every year. He doesn't even plan on going back to school, you know? Right. Right. So, yes, uh, I, think you had, I think you had to have some early deaths so that mm-hmm. you know just what the stakes are of, of this war. Yeah. Because you know it, but you don't know it till you lose someone you care about. Well, not only that, everything ramped up once Dumbledore was killed because yeah. that was the only person that Voldemort feared more than Harry was Dumbledore. Once he's out of the picture, I mean, Voldemort's yeah. basically got free run of the entire table. Yeah. Yes. 
for sure. All right. So these next two scenes are interchangeable. Both Sarah and Chris brought them up. So we're just going to say that these two scenes are Sarah and Chris both. Uh, first of all, the wedding. Uh, if one of you two wants to wants to start off, um, Chris, how about you? I just what what is it about the uh, the wedding? The chance to breathe, the chance to decompress from everything that we just talked about. Because mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that's the start of the book. Is hey, we gotta transfer you. And by the way, they know we're coming. And oh yeah, people are dying. Hedwig dies. But then it's like, okay, step back, take a breath. And I'm going to steal a line from Last Jedi and go, just breathe. There you go. And then that's, that's the quickest way to my heart. That is like that line when it was said in Last Jedi, just it resonates so much just mm-hmm. in life. And mm-hmm. the scene felt like that. It's like, okay, you just went through hell. Just breathe. Take a minute, get your bearings, get some information, talk to some people from Dumbledore's past because Harry's finding all this stuff out in rapid pace. And this moment is a moment that you just kind of take a minute. I think that's why this scene just resonated so much with me. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Bringing up The Last Jedi is the quickest way to my heart. I like you already. Uh, Sarah, what, what uh, is it about I the agree. wedding scene? Yeah. <laughs> he, he explained it perfectly. Um, he explained it perfectly. I don't know. I like it. I like this scene. And I mean, I love weddings and all uh, movies and stuff. But I really, it is the um, kind of calm-ish before the storm. And it's nice to see them all kind of having fun i mean i like it in the book i feel like we don't get to see a lot of fleur in the movies and we get a little bit more of her personality i don't know if it's this book it's in or the last, last like, one it's over the course of the last one and this one okay well we're like her and mrs weasley are like yeah. fighting and stuff like that about the wedding Flem. and they're all stressed out and they call her Flem because of the way Flem. which is kind of it's kind of ra- it's pretty racist when you think about it because it's it, it's it's her they're making fun of the way she talks like but Ginny and Miss Weasley both call her Flem Flem um, that was and I, guess, I think I think they also I think do, do they get over that by the time seven starts I think yeah. there's still a stress though between them right with the wedding I a think Ginny bit- likes her more is what yeah, it is. But then the parents show up and her parents are very nice. Like the beginning yeah. of seven, I, I didn't notice any sort of okay. tension there, except for just okay. general stress. Any sort yeah. of racism? No, I didn't notice any <laughs> racism. Um, at least none blatantly. Oh. Yeah. This whole scene also had the funniest, in my opinion, the funniest moment in the entire movie. Is and it morning? Where, where Harry's zipping up Jenny's yep. dress. Yeah. I was going to put that up. <laughs> and then he looks over and um, <laughs> uh, uh, George, I believe it is, the one that had his ear blown off. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he just looks and he has a cup of coffee or whatever in his hands. Like, yeah, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Does, doesn't he have something in his ear? I think he has a toothbrush in his Doesn't he have right? his toothbrush sticking yeah, out of his ear, too? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I love morning. I, yeah, uh, that I is gonna, my I was favorite just going to say that, tied into it. That I love that. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Funniest scene in the entire movie. Yeah, it's, it, it's a pretty downer of a movie, so yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. not a lot of fun it's to heavy. it. I yeah. find the funniest thing to be when Hermione says, oh my god, while she's cutting Harry's hair, and he's like, yeah. what <laughs> is it? And he like feels the back of his yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> And but she had just remembered something, yeah. but he thought she had like cut yeah. off all his hair or something. Oh, I find right. that hilarious. Caitlin, you like the wedding? It's fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sarah, Chris, I'm gonna let Sarah take the lead on this one. You guys both also picked Godric's Hollow. So, Sarah, what is it about Godric's Hollow? Um, so for me, I really appreciate the little moments, I think, in this movie as well, and, like, the stuff that, just a lot of the, like, acting, non-verbal stuff, and I really like the scene when they're in Godric Hollows, and he goes up to the grave, and she's just kind of, like, Hermione's there, and they're, like, looking at it together, and it's the first time he's been there, um, I just really like the symbolic and all that, like what that means. And I'm going to uh, hijack this and mention something else. There's also another little scene that I really like when the, the three of them are at um, um, the the house, the Sirius Black apartment, and Harry wakes up and Hermione and Ron were like holding hands throughout the night. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Um, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Chris, you got anything to add on about uh, Godric's Hollow? Well, definitely the graveyard scene. Uh, mm-hmm. That and where they come to the realization that Dumbledore is from there as well. Yes. Those two moments in particular, like you get the moment where Harry finally, finally gets to go back to where everything came to a head all those years ago, the first time. Yeah, and he, he, he gets to actually mourn his parents for real and then turn around and he's like oh yeah by the way here's a bunch of shit about Dumbledore <laughs> yeah and we get to, we get to come full you circle get the of, you get the moment of mourning and you get oh yeah by the way surprise <laughs> fuck it I hate I hate I hate the Pathilda Bagshot scene because it's fucking snake in that scene and snakes are too. the devil's creature uh <laughs> yeah. hate snakes um I- I can't stand the... If you hate snakes, and how did you get through the last three books and the last four movies? Well, Nagini's not that huge of a character in uh, in the movies, and I don't mind reading about snakes. That's fine. It's the visual. I don't like the way they move. I don't like anything about them. I don't... Mm, snakes are... Snakes are wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say... Uh, I think the graveyard scene does not resonate with me the way it does with y'all, only because I know the snake is coming, and that scene is so gross to me. Yeah, Something about it is just icky, so because I know it's coming, I'm just like, oh, I don't like this part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also never liked that part of the book, either, for whatever yeah, reason. Something about her, like skin coming off and the snake being in there and yeah no, they no also, stop describing it yeah it's also described in much more vivid detail in the book about like how the house smells really bad yeah um smells like rotting flesh and that's obviously oh. because Bathilda Bagshot's body is in there somewhere oh. and all of that so like it was disgusting to read again I, I wasn't I wasn't digging it Last thing I'm going to say about Godric's Hollow is uh, a dig at Cursed Child. This is how you come full circle in a good way. You don't 
You don't have to do it like you did in Cursed Child because that scene is stupid and I hate it. Anyway. Cursed Child. I thought you were saying Chris Child. I'm like, Chris who is Child. Chris Child? What did he do? <laughs> no. It, when they go to when they, the Godric Hollow scene in Cursed Child, I hate a lot. I don't um, remember. I, I, I think I stopped Cursed reading before that. I'll be honest. It's, it's when they all, like, they've time traveled there to the night where Harry's parents die, and Harry's like, yeah. no, I have to sit through it. And it's like, ugh. Okay, whatever. I really don't like that scene. Uh, and <laughs> fucking. I don't, anyways, anyways, we can't talk about Chris Child. Or else we'll be here all day. Uh, Kaylin Malfoy Manor. Yes. Okay. So, um, I I really well. This, of course, also leading up to them disapparating out of Malfoy Manor. But I just really love that Dobby came back and saved them. Because, well, number one, it's Dobby, but also these, you know, pure blood elitist people still don't, they think that house elves, goblins, all these creatures are so far below them, they don't even think about them. And they don't even think about them, the fact that they can do magic that witches and wizards cannot control. Mm. And Dobby is the undoing of all of that and the fact that i don't remember if it even gets mentioned in them it may not even get mentioned in the movie but in the book for sure um grip hook lies for them and says that the sword is fake yeah and you know because harry is nicer to him than those people are so like they don't even understand the the importance of being nice to those who you consider beneath you, you know. Um, and then, of course, I was sitting there sobbing, yeah. um, watching Dobby die again. Um, and then I read about it also because I was also reading that part of yeah. the book today. So I got a double dose of Dobby dying today, um, which is just pitiful and awful. But it's... Um, also, if you think about it, it's it's the last action sequence of the movie, even though it's it's not huge a huge action piece, you know, there's a lot of tension and a lot yeah. of worrying about their fate. But yeah. the biggest Very action good. piece of this movie is really at the beginning. Yeah. Which is a weird setup to a movie, but I guess it's because as a book, this you know, the, the really point. big yeah. one happens at the end of the of the whole story. Um, but I just, I really love it, and I really like, well, first of all, I love the casting of the Malfoys also, so I like it when they show up, and yeah. Lestrange, Bellatrix Lestrange, and the house is just creepy, and very cool looking, um, so I just, overall, I really like it, and I think Dobby's death is the first one, it, it may be the only one that's actually brought me to tears. So, with the Dobby's death, uh, a little story, these movies were like, my grandparents and I's thing. Uh, we would always like the first time I went to see the movies would be with them. And part one ends and Dobby dies. And my grandmother just turns to me and goes, why didn't you warn me? Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. She was very upset when Dobby died. And she's like, why didn't you warn me? I was like, well, I didn't know that was where it's going to end. I, di- I didn't know <laughs> because I was looking back at it today. The trailer that they put out, is both part one and part two. 
going into this movie, I had no idea where the movie was going to end. Yeah, this this movie, I think you should have just went straight out, straight all out, kept your guns, one shot. I think this movie and the second one suffers because of it being split. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I tend to watch them back to back anyway. So yeah. for me, it's just like one long ass movie. So I still think it's not long enough. Um, we'll talk about that with part two, but and there's yeah. lots of changes that TV shows. My biggest issue is part two. I mean, if you guys want me to get hot tapes, get me on part two. Uh, <laughs> I got a ton. Well, I think I think we uh, I think we have part two filled up. So unfortunately, I'm not sure that'll be possible. But at the end of the show, I would love to hear maybe a, a little smidge of those uh, of those hot takes. Um, but what I will say about Malfoy Manor, I want to get back to that really quick, is there is something that I don't love about this in the movie, which is I feel like, because I, I don't exactly remember, but in the book, isn't it made pretty clear that Draco recognizes Harry and is not saying anything? Yeah. You can, so, so he is very much trying not to say that those are them, because he yeah. even turns his back when they're asking yeah. if that's Hermione and Ron, and he's like, I guess it could be. Like, yeah. But he knows what Ron and Hermione look like. Yeah. Like, he's very much saying, like, he does not, he doesn't want it to be them. I really don't think he, he is not on board. He I is, think, it, I just feel it's less obvious in the movie. Yeah. But in the book, he is definitely yeah. not on yeah. board. Um, but the uh, the flip side to that is in the movie, he very well could have, like, cursed harry or something like sent a spell at him because he's holding all those wands yeah and he just sort of gives them up and i feel like that was the moment where you're sort of like okay so he's not even gonna fight back um but in the book he's like been hit with glass and stuff from the chandelier so he can't even see so when harry wrestles them away from him he doesn't even know what's going on but yeah he absolutely wanted no part of that um in the book for sure um he's he's way more what i said i think at that point he had already made his mind up what where his allegiance was gonna lie maybe but i definitely think he has some of that cowardice of his father of he wasn't Mm. going to turn until the tides turned i hate the way she handled malfoy she uh uh rowling in the books i hate i hate the way i do not I think that he could have had a redemption arc and they chickened out with it. Uh, I, because I don't believe that in 19 years later, they're like, yeah, we're cool. Like <laughs> you ran away. You're a coward. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Draco in book seven. I feel like, I feel like she tries to have her cake and eat it too, where she tries to do like a half-baked redemption arc without spending actual time on it. So I'm, I'm not a fan of the way Malfoy is handed, handled in the books or the movies. Uh, because again, I think it's less obvious in this movie that he is—he he knows that those are Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and he will—he's trying his hardest not to give them away. Um, yeah, I, I will say really quick because I want to bring it up. There's a deleted scene in part two. I'm just gonna bring this up now that I think if they kept it in the movie, I would have liked it a little bit more. Where when Harry reveals himself and like he rolls out of Hagrid's arm, Draco runs over and gives him his wand and then runs off. And yeah, I remember that always felt weird to me watching part two. It's like one minute Harry doesn't have a wand. Oh, yeah. guess what? 
magic. He has a wand. There's like, a scene. Where the hell did you get that? <laughs> yeah, there's a scene you can find it on YouTube where Harry rolls out of his wand. Draco goes, Potter, runs over, throws him his wand and runs off. Uh, and I, I, I think that would have helped a little bit if they'd kept it in. But uh, I still think that Draco's like of the characters. I, I think he's severely. Uh, um, they didn't handle him well in the books or the movies, personally, I guess. Well, in the first four books, it's like the last three was five, six, and seven. It's like, she kind of like gave up on him, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it just, it feels like, it feels like there, it feels like half a redemption arc. It, it yeah, just, especially it, with everything that he did in yeah. uh, Prince. Yeah. I feel like that's the lead up like and and then it just never goes over into the actual redemption part. It's like all the lead up and then at the end they're like and they're cool now like they nod to each other at at King's Cross 19 years later. I'm like I don't believe that. <laughs> but anyways, um sorry. Do you have anything to say about that, Kaylin? Um No, I definitely always felt like he didn't get enough story in the movies in the books i felt i okay so my thing was i was okay with him not being like brave because he wasn't um he had too much of that cowardice in him Uh, but he did what he could do you know, he did no, what I, I, I guess and that. you can't have every character suddenly be very brave because that's just not that true. With, yeah. You know, that's just not true to reality. So I kind of like that there is someone who sort of survived, you know, they did what they could, but what they could was not good enough, but you know, they did what they could. So I was always okay with it. Um I always felt like the kind of person Malfoy was, I think in a different world, him and Harry would have been friends. Because oh, he was agree. so goofy and so playful and he 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 directed it negatively because that's what he had been taught and that's what had been ingrained in him. Mm. But he's so um you know in creative um and you know, wanted to be the center of attention for laughs and things. So I feel like they would have been friends in another world. It just wasn't meant to be in this yeah. world. And I, I don't mean that I needed to have a Neville-esque scene because I think that's what makes Neville so special is his Neville scene that he gets in part two. But it's just something. Like I, like I said, I, I like the deleted scene where he gives Harry his wand when everything is going down at the end. Just something instead of just scurrying off. But we'll talk about that in part two. Uh, sorry, I got us off track there. So yeah, Sean, uh, Sarah, Chris, do either of you guys want to touch on Malfoy Manor? Did we ever see uh, Pettigrew's redemption? Did we actually see that in the film? Because no. I don't remember. Did he get a that. redemption in the book? Doesn't he strangle no. himself yeah, with the he's arm? He's the one that lets them. Oh, he like, does. He choke himself. He does. Yeah, um, it, the hand yeah. that Voldemort gives him in Goblet turns himself, around. Yeah. and uh, makes it, basically chokes him out to death. Yeah, because he hesitates. Uh, he hesitates, and he shows a moment of hesitation yeah. when he's like hurting Harry, and so the hand um, 
chokes him out. Um, yeah, so, I don't recall seeing that in the film. I remember uh, in no. the film. No, in the film, Dobby kind of helps them. Yeah. There when he didn't in the book. Um, yeah. Dobby so, snap his fingers and throw him like against the basement wall. Yeah, Dobby helps like knock him out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they just totally leave that out. But um, I don't know how it would have played in the movie, though. I don't know if it would have been clear that he's not strangling himself on purpose, that the arm yeah, is doing it. True. I think it would have taken a lot of, like, explanation that just didn't matter and we didn't have time for. <laughs> is probably why it was cut. They, they probably even shot it. Oh, I'm it thinking been so. shot, yeah. If it would have been shot, I would have thought it would have been a deleted scene. Yeah, no, no, I'm just yeah. saying when they went to the script writing process, I'm sure that was one of the things where they were like, how do we convey this? Yeah, yeah, without, yeah, without a bunch of uh, talking and being like, yeah. oh, his hand choked himself because, yeah. you know, like, and it would have just not played. It wouldn't have yeah. played. So I totally get them cutting that and I'm cool with that. But yeah, because of that, I don't think we know what happens to him. Yeah, we never yeah. we never get a through line to end his story. It, doesn't Voldemort go to Mal- Malfoy Manor in part two? Do we see do we see his corpse? Maybe you just see Griphook's corpse in the in the uh, fake uh, sword. Mm, okay, and then the sword fades away. Okay. Sarah, you got anything on Malfoy Manor? Uh, no, I was going to bring up the Peter Pettigrew thing, but it's okay. already covered. All right. Kaylin, you got some differences for us? I do. So I've been uh, reading the book. So I actually, um, you know, have been writing as I went. So um, a lot of them are small and I'm not going to bring up. But uh, one thing that we did uh, already touch on was the Dursleys were basically missing yeah. from this movie, except for like one line. Um, but in the book there's much more build up to them leaving they have um aurors escorting them mm-hmm. and the whole idea which has been cut out of the entire movie structure is that harry is protected in that house because of his mother's charm yeah and but as soon as he no longer calls it home and his family no longer calls it home It'll no longer be protected. So what they're trying to do is get the Dursleys far enough away and apparate with them to take them somewhere at the same moment that Harry leaves with everyone so that the charm breaks and they're all safe at the same Mm -hmm. time. And all of that's cut out. All the stuff, like you said, about Dudley saying, I never thought you were a waste of space. Um, And Harry having the realization that Dudley was always thankful for him saving his life. Yeah. Um, in uh, at the beginning of Phoenix, and um, all of that. So all of that's just missing. We have no real arc with the Dursleys like we should have, you know. So I have a question about the Dursleys in the books. I know that Vernon never, nothing ever comes from that. Does Petunia? I I know I know Petunia doesn't say anything to him, or I'm pretty sure she doesn't. But but does Petunia ever come around similarly to how Dudley does to Harry? Yes. more so than vernon but not as much like at the end i don't think she does any like at the end dudley shakes harry's hand yeah yeah Yeah, dudley's the one that warms up to him the most petunia says in the middle 
yeah, she's like, yeah, I understand what you're doing, but you were still a burden on us, and we didn't want you. But thank you for protecting us. Is basically yeah. the gist of that. <laughs> um, but she there. Uh, so when when Dudley says, "I didn't think you were a waste of space." Petunia runs over and hugs Dudley, not Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the Aurors are like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah. oh, he's just, he's, um, you know, he's showing so much emotion. Where they're like, he, or he said, uh, thank you. And they're like, he didn't say thank you. All he said was, you're not a waste of space. And she's like, yeah. but from Dudley, that's as good as I love yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So she's not she wrong. Never, she never fully, you know, comes full circle, but also, Harry represents a lot of things to her that yes. she resents in life yes. because she didn't get to go to Hogwarts. Her sister did, uh, her, you know, uh, this life that her sister led led to her sister dying and then her having to take on the burden of her sister's child. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of baggage there. So anyway, that's the first yeah. big thing that's different. Um, okay, then the whole scene with all the Harry Potters that uh the scene where they're all transforming and stuff is more or less the same except we don't get all the information about tonks and lupin got married yeah um we're missing that mostly and it's the first time we see bill in the movie but it's really not the first time we see bill in the books um yeah. we know a little more about bill and that uh Fenrir grayback the werewolf you know uh like scratched him while he was human so it didn't turn him into a werewolf but it did like scar him forever and that um, happened six that yeah the, but yeah. we didn't see that that happened yeah. at the battle after yeah. dumbledore died that didn't happen in the movie really no, um so we also i think we talked about this before but we don't get all the klutziness of tonks um that yeah. we get in the books you know she like breaks stuff <laughs> in that opening scene all that uh happens the uh the the biggest change to me from this sequence is they're not all going to the burrow they're yeah. all going to different locations that they have protected with spells yeah and then they're from those very different locations everywhere they're going to take port keys to the burrow because you cannot yeah. apparate into the burrow the burrow has lots of protections around it and so harry and Hagrid are going to Tonks' parent. Okay. So, um, and none of the stuff where they're like driving down at human yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. None yeah. of that happens. It's yeah. all up in the sky. Hagrid is in, not Hagrid, um, Hedwig is in her cage when uh -huh. she gets killed. Yeah. And, um, the way they know which Harry's the real Harry in the movie, Hedwig protects him, and that's how they know, okay, this is the real Harry. In uh -huh. the book, it's because he keeps using Expelliarmus, which is the spell mm -hmm. he uses so much, and they're like, they saw you use this spell. They know that that's yeah. you. Like, that's now your calling card. <laughs> which um, is hilarious. Like, you can't, do, you, you gotta stop. Um the other thing is the the little sidecar actually detaches from the motorcycle and so harry has to blow it up so that it doesn't like land on a muggle and kill them or something but <laughs> edwig's body is in it so when he blows oh, it up no! like, he's like uh i could like he felt the pain of having to blow up hedwig oh my god um, yeah 
Um, the rest of it more or less plays out the same, except like I said, they land at Tonks's parents' house and they kind of crash land much more where like Hagrid and Harry are both kind of unconscious or whatever. Um, also, I don't think it's ever made super clear. We get a little bit in five about, um, we know that like Tonks is somehow related to Sirius Black, like their cousins or something, you know, on the tapestry. But uh, I don't think it's made clear that Tonks's mother is the other sister to Bellatrix Lestrange and Narcissa yeah, Malfoy. No. So when Harry sees her, he thinks it's Narcissa Malfoy and almost like is going to attack her and then realizes it's not quite her. Like she looks a little different. Tonks's dad is a muggle-born, which is uh -huh. or yeah, a muggle-born, which is why they're sort of expelled from the family. Um, so anyway, then when they do get to the burrow, the reason that they're like no one else is back yet is because it was supposed to be timed out and people were supposed to be there already. And okay. Harry and Hagrid were the first ones to get there. The previous groups, their port keys had showed up without them. Ooh. And so they're just waiting and waiting. And the waiting takes a very long time. Like a couple of people show up and like George shows up and is laid on the couch and they're trying to mend him up and whatever. But then they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for a very long time, like hours. Um, I think they just had to cut that for time. You know, yeah. that's mm -hmm. the time thing. But it was very suspenseful in the book because you're just like, oh, my God, they're all just waiting. Um, then there's a few days between then and the actual, like, mm -hmm. Harry's birthday and the wedding, where Mrs. Weasley spends that time keeping Harry, Ron, and Hermione apart so they can't plan because she doesn't want them to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so she keeps giving them chores to do that, like, um, oddly enough, you know, sends Harry this way and Ron that way or whatever, because she doesn't believe they should go. Um, we also get Harry's actual birthday party because in the movie, they kind of make it like his birthday is the same day as the wedding, but in the book, his birthday is the day before. So they actually give him presents and he opens them. Um, one of them's a pocket watch from Mr. and Mrs. Weasley because they said that you always give a, a wizard a watch on their birthday, their yes. 17th birthday. And he hugs mm. Mrs. Weasley and he's like, I hope that this hug conveys everything I want it to. I, I got um, a watch on my 17th birthday from my grandparents. You got a what? A watch on my 17th birthday from oh, my grandparents. Yeah. That's so sweet. Um, And he has a birthday party and everything. And that's when the Minister of Magic actually shows up. Is at his birthday party. And when he goes to talk to them, he, it actually gets really heated compared to the movie. Like in the movie, it's very toned down. Like there's some hostility there. But a lot of it is that more. Hmm? I said I was hoping that they would have played into that more. That's one scene I wish that they would have fleshed out because that scene in the book is absolutely amazing. Yes, um, Scrimgeour actually like ends up holding his wand to Harry and ends up burning him like almost like a cigarette hole um, through his clothes because he's so angry and. Um, you also get a lot more of Hermione just knowing random shit um, because yeah. they're like, they're like, well, why didn't you bring, you know, he's been dead a month now. Why didn't you bring this to us? And she's like, well, or he says, 
you know, we have the right to detain materials in a will. No, you don't. <laughs> um, if if they're believed to possibly be, you know, dangerous, and Hermione's like, that's for like dark magic. You know yeah. that that doesn't apply. But now the thirty one days are up, and that's why you're here. Like you get Hermione's just weird random shit that just floats around in her brain. Um, and we don't find out there that the sword of Gryffindor is missing because in the book it's never missing. The, the fake is in the vault, but they think it's the real one because it's the one that was at Hogwarts all this time. Mm-hmm. After, well, it's not, but, um, you know, there was a sort of Gryffindor hanging in Dumbledore's office ever since Chamber of Secrets. So that's the one that they actually had put in the vault, but it's not the real one. Um, but the the reason that it even gets put in that vault is because Luna, help me out here, Luna, Neville, and Ginny try to steal it. Because that's now Snape's office. And they try to steal it, and they don't get very far. So... Uh, lots of this stuff is cut out and a lot of information that they find out in the book they actually find out because some people are like camped out right next to them but can't see them because of all of Hermione's magical enchantments and it's like it's grip hook and another uh goblin and Dean Thomas and oh yeah Tonks's dad Ted Tonks and some dude named Dirk Cresswell, which I can't remember the significance of him. So they hear them talking, but they cut all of that out. That's how they find out about the whole, um, the sword in the vault being fake. Because they hear Griphook saying, well, the joke's on them because the sword they put in there is fake. Um, that's where they find out about Jenny and them trying to see- steal stuff. They just overhear some stuff. Totally cut out. They also had a... <laughs> They carried a painting around with them of uh, Phineas Nagellus Black, one of uh-huh. Sirius's oh, yeah. ancestors, who was a headmaster of Hogwarts. So he had dual portraits. He had a portrait at Grimald Place, and he had a portrait in the headmaster's office at Hogwarts, and he could float between them. So Hermione shoved him in her bag so that he couldn't overhear their conversations, but they'd pull him out and ask him stuff, and he was too much of a busybody to, like not tell them stuff and that's when they find out that Dumbledore used the sword of Gryffindor to destroy the ring and that's what triggered Hermione to say oh my god it's got basilisk venom in it um which in the books I mean in the movie is just her cutting Harry's hair and goes oh my god oh my god yeah and just realizes it um Harry also I think we've talked about this Harry and Ron are both a little smarter in the books than they are made out to be in the movie We've talked about this in the past. <laughs> yeah, Harry realizes that he has to put the snitch in his mouth to make it open immediately. But he doesn't do it in front of Rufus Scrimgeour because he doesn't want him to know. But he does it later that evening and realizes, like, it just says, I open, that's closed. And he's just like, okay, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know what this means. There's also a lot more polyjuice potion and use of the invisibility cloak in the book that I realized would not play in the movie. So I get all those changes. Like he was under the invisibility cloak in that little cafe um, after they escaped the wedding. He was under, he, he had polyjuice potion 
at the wedding. So he looked like a redheaded Weasley. Um, he, oh, he yeah. Had, yeah, I, re I remember that. Yeah, he and Hermione are have Polyjuice Potion when they go to visit uh, Grim uh, Godric's Hollow. So they yeah. don't look like them either. But none of that plays in a movie, and I get that. No. So that's fine. Um, Creature is also... That whole story is different. They're, mm -hmm. They become sort of friends with Creature. And Creature starts to open up to them and like them because they show him some kindness. Which is sort of a through line with Harry. Like, him being kind to Dobby is what allowed Dobby to come save him. If he had not been kind to Dobby all the all those times along the way, he couldn't have Dobby wouldn't have been able to save him later. You know, he's just Harry and Hermione and Ron not so much Ron. Ron can be kind of mean, but um <laughs> Harry and Hermione in particular show lots of kindness towards creatures, including creature, that um, you know, really, really makes a difference. Yeah. The other big thing, I totally forgot that this happened, but Lupin shows up at Grimald Place to sort of tell them what went down after the wedding. Yeah. And he wants that. to go with them because yeah. he, he wants to leave Tonks because she's pregnant, which yeah. they don't really ever mention in the movie. He wants to leave her because he feels like he's like destroyed her life because he's an outcast. And he doesn't even know what the baby is going to be like. Harry um, goes place, in so on him. He shows up at the yeah, college. he does. No, he shows up to Grimmauld Place, I'm pretty sure. And Harry he, goes in on him. he showed up at George's cottage, or, um, uh, yeah, Bill and Flora's Bill. cottage. I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know. But um, he definitely shows up at Grimmauld Place, sort of tells them what went down, that everyone's safe, all of that. And then he's he wants to go with them and... Harry basically gets in a fight with him and is like, oh, so you're going to abandon your kid? Like, you're not the person I thought you were. God, he goes um, in on him. He does, and it makes Lupin leave. And Hermione's like, you know, that was really mean. And he's like, if it means he'll go back to Tonks and raise his child, then I don't care. And he um, still doesn't get to raise his child. Thanks, no. J.K. Rowling. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. So the other thing that is totally not explained is why all of a sudden the Deluminator speaks Ron, like he hears Hermione speak his name all of a sudden on like a random day. In the book, it's because it is the first time that Hermione or Harry says his name out loud since he left. They had not talked about him since he oh. left. So the first time Hermione says his name, he hears it and he actually hears part of their conversation and that's what made the Deluminator light up because uh, something about it, like when I guess Ron needed to realize that they won't, like they were trying to pull him back, kind of. Um, but the rest of that pretty much plays, you know, the same as in the book. Um, also, they immediately get caught in the movie after they visit Lovegood. They like apparate into a forest and then get caught but lots and lots of time elapsed in the book where harry is just obsessed with the idea of the deathly hallows like mm. obsessed he's like if i can get them i don't need to destroy all the horcru horcruxes because i will be all powerful like he gets really obsessed with 
um, the Deathly Hallows, and Hermione still thinks that it's all just trash, like it's not even real. Um, and so Harry later has to make a choice, like, do I pursue the Horcruxes or do I pursue the Hallows? Um, and we already talked about Wormtail. Uh, the only other thing is Dean Thomas is kind of in with them when all of that stuff is going down at Malfoy Manor because the same Snatchers had found him and Grip Hook as well. And Dean's on the run because I guess his mother's not a witch and he doesn't know his father, so he doesn't know if he is or not. So he can't prove he has a wizard bloodline. So he's on the run. Um, so, But he, as of yet, the point that I'm at in the book, he hasn't actually played any significant part so um he's just kind of there so i get why they kind of cut him out like he doesn't do anything that is vital to the story he doesn't do anything that's vital to most of any of the stories yeah no he's not he's He's just just like oh yeah by the way yeah Yeah. he, he was there to make ron angry and harry a little bit jealous that's about it um, yeah, right. I guess the only the last difference really is that uh, the end of the movie the end of part one and beginning of part two in the book is really kind of intertwined because Harry is seeing the visions of Voldemort going mm-hmm. to get the, the uh, Elder Wand kind of at the same time that he is interviewing or talking to Griphook and um, Ollivander and, like, asking them questions. He's sort of seeing that happen simultaneously, but they sort of split that to be the splitting point of the the movies. So those were the big changes. Um, thoughts? I'm okay with the changes in this movie. Uh, yeah. The again just teasing everybody come back for the next one because oh boy uh but I, I yeah did one thing yeah go ahead um so we talked about it a second ago but harry dancing with hermione does not happen at all yeah in the, so in the book hermione runs after ron ron's already disapparated she comes back in she sits in a chair she's sobbing harry throws a blanket over her and he goes to bed like that's it. And he never tries to console her or anything. He just hears her crying in her sleep sometimes. Yeah, he's like, an asshole. He, he's just awkward. He doesn't know what to do for her. So no, it's, it's very different. It was very abrupt to me seeing that in the movie. And it kind of made me feel yucky. I don't know why, but it does. I don't like it. <laughs> um, I can understand why they did it, though. Because at that point in the movie, you're you're so beaten over the head with how dark and dismal and depressing everything is it's like this is basically like the end of their world and yeah it's like we just need a moment we just need to take a minute and it's just it's another one of them it's very small but it's another one of them just breathe moments yes um another i can see why they did that yeah I mean, I can see it, but I just still don't like it. Another kind of through line that um, kind of gets abandoned in the movies is maybe Ron mentions it at some point, but uh, they can't say the name Voldemort. Yeah, it's and taboo. So, yeah, it comes back and they realize like, okay, that's why they found them at the little coffee shop. And then that's actually why the Snatchers find them 
um, in the book because Harry says the name Voldemort after Ron's already told him you can't say it. He accidentally says it, and that's how they get found. Um, but I did like how they used it in the movie for uh, basically uh, Lovegood to summon them. So that was pretty cool because in the book, he just sends them an owl. Yeah. And then they show up and they're like, what is it now? Um, so I kind of like that he says Voldemort to summon them. I thought that was pretty cool. So they just used it in different ways. Um, and the radio thing, Ron's sort of listening to the radio throughout, um, like before before uh, Ron leaves and comes back. But in the book, Ron discovers the radio station after he's gone from them. And it's like you have to have a password to find it and stuff. And it's actually Lee Jordan running the radio station. Yeah. And um, they hear whose voices, Kingsley and Lupin. They hear at least their voices uh, talking about stuff. And they get to hear kind of who has died. And they hear that Tonks' dad has died. Um, he was captured and killed. So um, mm-hmm. they just use the radio a little bit differently. But um, in the in the book, it's more familiar voices, I guess. So anyway, right. lots of changes, lots and lots yeah. of detail. Yeah, I, I, again, I, that's that's the word details. Uh, I think that there's, it's the it's the same thing I said about one of the other movies. I think it was maybe it was four, where presumably all this stuff still happens, which is not shown it, and I'm okay with that for this movie because I don't think all that stuff technically needs to be in there. It, it, I think it would have slowed down the pacing of the plot uh, in the movie. And yeah. mind you, this movie is pretty slow in its own right as it yeah. is. And it's still yeah. two and a half yes. hours. TV show, TV show, TV show. Anyways, uh, look, they're doing I Percy Jackson. Too. We, need, we need to make these books one book, one season. We need to yes. be doing that. They're doing Percy Jackson. Now somebody, HBO, come on. Come on, HBO yeah, Max. You just, yeah, you just launched Max. Let's go. Let's, Let's do go. this. Seven seasons of Harry Potter. Let's do it. Um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and get this starting to wrap up because we are going long. But oh, I'm uh, sorry. No, it's all right. I, I let you keep going because I wanted to hear it. Uh, so here's what we're going to do because it's the end of the episode. We've been keeping a ranking going for how we rank our movies. Chris, I didn't warn you about this. Uh, so I'm not going to expect a ranking of all seven movies, right? Or the seven that have like we talked about. If uh at some point later you want to put one together and send it to me i will because once we're done with all the movies we're going to do a final episode where we go over we're going to put together all the all of our own individual movie lists and make a you know compiled one so if at some point after this you want to send me as you have guested on the series if you want to send me your list for the ranking for all eight movies i will add it into uh the overall one when we get to that I can actually do it right now. Then uh, let's do it right now. Head. Why don't Why don't you so, do it right now? You want me to do all eight of them? Being I won't. Be yeah, go ahead and do. Them. Yeah, go ahead and do all eight. Um, from this is gonna be from best to worst. Okay. So we're gonna go six, two, five, one. Seven part one, which I guess just for this yeah. case would be seven, eight, four, three. 
All right. Wow. So yes, yes. Caitlin is so friend who thinks that six is the best and three is the worst. Let me go over this one more time. So just from best to worst, six, two, five, one, seven, eight, four, three. All right. Kaylin, where we have your list. Do you need a reminder of your list? Is my list right now like six and then I don't know, one, two, five kind of floating around in the middle and then four. Actually, three. yeah, that is exactly your list. Damn. Six, one, two, five, four, three is your exact list. Okay. Uh, so I would put seven right below six. Okay. All uh, right. Seven, part one. That's just what we're going to write for now. Sarah, do you need a reminder of your list? Yes. <laughs> All right, it's two, four, three, five, one, six. Um, put it below one. Below Jesus. one. Oh wow. Um, Sean, what's your list? Let's hear it. My my list right now is four, six, three, one, five, two, and this is gonna go above Sorcerer's Stone, but below Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, so you're gonna have four six three seven one five two. Four six three seven one five two, yes. Um so I have it the lowest. Yes. Okay. Um mine is kind of middle ground. All right, cool. So we got those put together, uh and then once we're done, so next episode is going to be seven part two, and then we're gonna come together, Sarah, Caleb, and I for one last wrap up episode where we're just going to talk about the series as a whole. We're going to do the list and that'll be it. And uh, we might do some other stuff down the line. We've talked about Cursed Child and we've talked about Fantastic Beasts and we've talked about um, uh, the Very Potter musical on YouTube. But right for right now, you could call it season one is ending with that wrap up episode. And maybe down the line, we'll come back and do some other Harry Potter uh, periphery stuff. Cool. Yes. So well, this has been a fun one. I agree. Uh, let's start with our great guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Hotel Nerd, where can people find you on the internet? Find me on YouTube at uh, the Hotel Nerd Network. Uh, we air every Saturday at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Uh, find me on Twitter at Hotel underscore Nerd 86. I also run a Facebook page and group. The page is the Hotel Nerd Network, and the group itself is just Hotel Nerd. Uh, we also have a Patreon uh, that I just launched here this past week. Uh, just look up Hotel Nerd on Patreon, you'll find me. And the same with uh, Anchor. That's where I put all my audio podcasts at. Uh, Again, you pretty much look up Hotel Nerd, you'll find me. Mm. It's not it's not difficult. It's Hotel Nerd across the board. So All right. Uh Kaylin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Kaylin Rose 715. That's K-A-L-Y-N-R-O-S-E 715. Sarah, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SCBOC, S-S-E-A-B-O-C-K. And you can find me on this network doing a bunch of other shows. Yes. 
you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. I do a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. First, I do Into the Grid, which is a Power Rangers recap show. I do that with my Beyond the Screen co-host, Mike. That's at Go Into the Grid on Twitter. I also do a Sweet Life of Zach and Cody recap podcast called Trouble at the Tipton. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when am I gonna be on? <laughs> I, I told you two weeks. Didn't I tell you that? Oh, woo! Uh, oh, that's funny. It, that's at yeah. Thank you, Kayla. Uh, at trouble at Tipton on Twitter on this podcast feed. Work with the movie blog. I do this show. I do Beyond the Screen with Sarah and Mike, which is our little radio show. We talk about whatever. And I also do Game Over Screen, which is the new Work with the Movie blog video game podcast. Mm-hmm. And I also do that. So you guys can find this show and others on the Merc with the Movie blog podcast feed, which can be located on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Public, Breaker, and Overcast. You guys can also follow Merc with the Movie blog on Twitter with at MovieBlogMerc. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the next episode of Through the Port Key when we talk about the last Harry Potter movie, Deathly Hallows Part 2.